Truth News Network. Fake news, circular logic, disinformation, outright lies. What do you do when the truth goes underground? Well, here, let me get that door for you. Welcome to TNN, the Truth News Network. And your host is Dan Newman. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Monday's edition of TNN Live. We're in a new month, October 4th. Wow. Halloween just around the corner, Thanksgiving shortly after that, and then 30 days later, we're at Christmas already, and then a new year. Where in the world has 2021 gone? I mean, it's just blown by us. There's been so much going on that the days just run together. The events are out there, and they've captivated our attention more so than the calendar day uh, turning. It's crazy, isn't it? Did you have a good weekend? I hope you got some good football in, good soccer in. You got to watch some, and hopefully you were outside with your kids and grandkids as they played for their schools, football and soccer, this past weekend. It's that time of year. Fall is here. It's football. And, of course, Major League Baseball is about to wrap up regular season, and then we get into the postseason all the way up to the World Series. There's a lot of things happening in our lives. A lot of good things. Thankfully, most of them are good things, but there are so many things out there that we either know are not good or we don't know if they're good or bad. But um, they're stuck in our minds simply because we're dealing with them every day, aren't we? And so today, what are we going to talk about? Just a moment, we're going to talk about uh, President Biden's mandates, vaccination mandates, what that means, what it really says about our government, what it really says about our president, his policies. And then we're going to talk about Dr. Fauci. We are going to get into the COVID-19, the newest, latest stuff. And of course, Fauci's name and his opinion pops up every time you mention that. It has to, because he's the COVID God. He still is, folks. He's the guy that we've been told Day after day, month after month, and now year after year, he knows everything about not just COVID-19, but diseases, viruses, all kinds of problems that Americans have biologically. He is the guy that knows it all. And so we must defer our opinions, our thoughts to his. In fact, it's, it's gotten to be so ridiculous that everybody, including tens of thousands of medical professionals, many of them more knowledgeable about treating people for diseases than does Dr. Fauci. They're being forced to bow to the COVID God's opinion. In other words, his is the only one that counts. No matter that his changes over and over and over again, we've kept up with about 60 of his opinions about what to do, what not to do, and then changing it, and then changing it again, then coming out with another one. And he's got another one that he he was all over news talk shows yesterday, all the Sunday talk shows, and he always throws out some bombs for us. We've got a couple of those for you here going forward. And we also have a new report of the adverse effects of vaccinations, especially COVID vaccinations on Americans, some statistics And they're just scary folks. We have that. There's some other fallout out there. Supreme Court's back in session 
today, as a matter of fact. What's going to be on their docket? We'll talk about that. A lot of really important things. And then, folks, we got to get everybody back to work. Have you kept up with the big news this morning? It's been flooding all the major networks in the morning talk shows. Our supply chain is devastated. And they're showing these pictures of the ports around the nation, Los Angeles, Long Beach, uh, of course, New Orleans, Miami, Fort Lauderdale, Virginia, and New York. They're showing pictures of these dozens and dozens of container ships that are just anchored offshore because there are no dock workers to unload those ships. And so now we almost look like we did at the beginning of the the COVID-19 stuff. Remember last year, you couldn't find a roll of toilet paper in America? It's looking like that is about to happen again. Let me tell you what happened to me that illustrated this insanity. You know what Bucky's is. Bucky's is that big chain of, um, uh, I don't even know what you call it, but it's a truck driving stop. Um, it's a uh, pedestrian um, private automobile stop, and they've got massive uh floor space in which they have every kind of gadget clothing but the big thing is their food and their drinks and their clean restrooms so over the weekend went to Dallas for a elementary school football game grandson playing in it and on the way back stopped at Bucky's naturally so we walk in and I always I love to get one of their big 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 drinks and and my drink of choice my soft Soft drink is Diet Pepsi, has been for a long time. And you know when you get a diet drink, often when you take, especially the ones out of the, you know, the the dispenser. I'm not talking about the bottle, but out of the dispenser. Um, Every once in a while, you just fill up your glass and you just slap a lid on it, go up and pay and leave, and you take your first sip and there's no carbonation in it. Well, for some reason, Bucky's always gets that right. So I don't even think anything about it. I'm going to get me a 44-ounce drink. That'll last me from uh, Terrell, Texas to the Louisiana border easily. So I go back to the machine. I walk in. There are no cups. There are little signs in every one of, there are like three or four sections of those dispensers, and they've got signs where the cup things are, and they say, it was up there, a sign that said, because of supplier issues, We do not have any cups. So when I get to the cash register, I did get, I got some, uh, that little cup of grapes to share with my daughter who I went with and uh, went up there to pay for it and ask her about it in a nice way. And she, she explained to us, she said, we can't get them. And it's not just that. We have all kinds of things that we can't get because ships can't get unloaded at the port. We don't think about things like that. But it impacts, this particular thing impacts everybody in America. So what happens? Well, the obvious is there are things we're going to have to do without for at least some period of time. But what else is obvious that nobody wants to talk about, really? It's going to make prices continue to go up across the board on everything. Bidenflation. Bidenflation. And yes, President Biden is almost unilaterally charged with the responsibility for this because of his egregious lockdowns and his insistence that Congress keep that 
federal unemployment check going out to people that were locked down and lost their jobs at least temporarily during the pandemic because then when the pandemic is over, which it is, a lot of those people that are going back to work that don't want to go back to work, and many don't, because of that extra money coming in every week, that includes dock workers at the ports around the U.S. So while this is all going on overseas, uh, places like ports in the Mediterranean, we get a lot of things from European countries here. And then from all over Asia, I'm talking about Southeast Asia, China, Japan, and even Canada. Well, Canada's right next to us. They get their stuff down here pretty easily. Nope. It takes laborers to do that. The same laborers that aren't available to unload those ships coming from overseas aren't available to unload those train cars coming in from Canada. It's across the board, folks. So what are you saying, Dan? I'm telling you, from top to bottom, everything to do with COVID-19, all of the mismatching that we've been getting from, first of all, President Biden, secondly, Anthony Fauci, third, head of the CDC, Dr. Walensky, all of those messaging entities that take those messages from those people and pass them along to us, what do they expect us to do when they tell us, you got to social distance, you got to wear a mask, you can't get outside your house, you're going to get COVID everywhere, you're going to die. The mis-messaging is principally responsible for our lack of everything that we have right now, that we can't find, we can't get. Lots of things you can't go to the store and get. Plumbing supplies. Do you know that new home construction, we had that horrible lumber shortage, and that drove the prices of wood, doubled it in some parts of the nation, pretty much across the nation. There was at least a 60 or 70% rise. We get a handle on that. Now you can't get plumbing fixtures. Stone for floors and countertops. Why is that, Dan? There's one spot in the U.S. where there's some really good stone. That's New Hampshire. But it's not the kind of granite that usually is used to do countertops and flooring. Most of that comes from South America and Italy. So anything from South America, anything from Italy, it's got to be shipped over. Tied up on a ship outside somewhere. If you look at it, just Google this, aerial picture of the port of Long Beach, aerial picture from the port of Houston. Look at how many ships are anchored out there in circles, just waiting to get the call to come in and unload. And it's not because they're waiting in line and they're working diligently in the ports to unload these other ships. There's nobody there to unload the ships. So everybody's sitting there waiting, which means None of the box chains company stores except Walmart. They're getting all their stuff. And you know why they are. They went to the Port of Houston, one example of what they did, and walked in with a $150 million check and said, we want our ships moved to the front of the line every time one of our ships comes in. And you know that if that happened in Houston, it happened in Long Beach, it happened in New Orleans, 
happened in New York everywhere because they're nationwide, North American-wide. Somebody in Bentonville, Arkansas, was really foresightful thinking about this to do that. Yeah, they spent $150 million extra dollars, and you know who's going to pay that bill, you and I. Cost on items go up. Bidenflation. It's everywhere. <laughs> it's everywhere. So let's get right to business. Anthony Fauci was all over every news show over the weekend. I mean, five or six different ones. And people were asking him questions, obviously, and he never says, hey, I'll have to get back to you and get get an answer for you. I don't have it right now. It doesn't matter if he doesn't have a truthful answer or know a factual answer for a, a question. He answers everything. And as we've seen in his career, as it's played out in our lives the last couple of years, often he's wrong. And I've never heard him come back and say, I was wrong when I said that two weeks ago, a week ago, or two months ago. I've never heard him do that. He's an insecure small man, and he has what's called the Napoleonic disease, or symptom, it's not a disease. And what that means often, people that are small, they feel like they have to over-express um, themselves the things they know the things they have that they can use for different things, they have to overexpress that to make up for what they they perceive to be people looking down on them when geographically and altitudinally you can on Dr. Fauci. He's a little guy. Maybe that's why he does it. I'm not apologizing for him. I don't like his messaging at all. I didn't like Donald Trump's messaging. I like the... the um, the context of almost all of Donald Trump's tweets, but I certainly didn't like the tweets themselves. Fauci, I don't like the context of what he says, and I don't like what he says, because at least half the time he's wrong, and he is the COVID god that we're told to listen to for everything. And folks, he's been making unilateral life decisions for millions of people, not just here in the U.S., but around the world. And so we have another, we have Dr. Fauci part two or junior that also feels the same way about telling people in the nation facts about COVID-19, its treatment, about vaccinations, everything. Who is that? Joe Biden. When Biden stood before that microphone a couple of weeks ago and announced his mandatory vaccine policy to be implemented by OSHA, The president may not have known the fire he would start immediately upon uttering those words. I hope he didn't. I hope he didn't know that it was coming and he went ahead and did it. Make no mistake, though. The Manvax war, Manvax, which is mandate vaccination war, its own folks. I know two things that are barely mentioned and that most Americans don't understand as that even his stated target is employees with employers with a hundred or more workers. His real target is you and me. Biden's targeting every American with this. The second thing he did not include, his Manvax war mandate was it secretly indemnifies 
employees of the White House and members of Congress and the staff members of every person in the House of Representatives, the U.S. House of Representatives, and the U.S. Senate. Now, wait a minute, Dan, I thought he announced that. All such corporations and all federal employees are required to vaccinate. Well, those were his words, but that's all they were, folks, words. Endowed elitist who are so fortunate to serve in the White House and the Congress, they all get a pass. But forget about the lowly plebes that struggle in the heartland to make it. We don't count. Fortunately, some governors are standing up and looking at D.C. and looking at the White House and speaking to the president and saying, we're not going to go there. And Phoenix, Governor Doug Ducey, he responded to Biden's new COVID mandates calling his administration, Biden's, dictatorial and these latest maneuvers another egregious big government overreach. Here's what he said. Joe Biden has failed us on COVID. He ran for office on a promise to shut down the virus. He's failed, much as he's failed on the border crisis and in Afghanistan. So now President Biden's plan is to shut down freedom. The governor continued, COVID-19 is a contagious disease. It is still with us, and it will be for the foreseeable future. President Biden's solution is hammering down on private businesses and individual freedoms in an unprecedented and dangerous way. Today marks another egregious big government overreach, robbing Arizonans and all Americans of their fundamental rights to make their own decisions about their own health and the health of their children. President Biden's dictatorial approach is wrong, it's un-American, and it will do far more harm than good. How many workers are going to be displaced? How many kids kept out of classrooms? How many businesses find and how many of them have to close? The COVID-19 vaccines are safe and effective tools to prevent the disease, he said, but getting the vaccine is, and should be, a choice. These mandates are outrageous. They will never stand up in court. We must and we will push back. And then way up in the Northwest, Wyoming, from Casper, Wyoming, Governor Mark Gordon pushed back on the Biden administration's vaccine mandates in a press release. His said, Our Constitution was written and fought for to protect our own liberties as American citizens. This administration's latest pronouncement demonstrates its complete disregard for the rule of law and the freedoms individuals and private companies enjoy under the Constitution. In Wyoming, he said, we believe that government must be held in check. I've asked our attorney general in Wyoming to stand prepared to take all actions to oppose this administration's unconstitutional overreach of executive power. It has no place in America, not now and not ever. And then from Lincoln, Nebraska, Governor Pete Ricketts yesterday said his attorney general and officials from other states are looking into how they can attack President Biden's new vaccine mandate in court. Governor Ricketts said this, I've been talking to my AG, Attorney General, He is coordinating with the other attorneys general across the country who share similar views about the overreach. As we see what these rules are, 
we will be able to know exactly how we will be able to challenge them in court. I'm also talking with my colleagues around the country as well as the other governors who feel the way I do will be working on other strategies. These three governors you just heard from were among the first of 19 governors to summarily blast the Biden authoritarian move to mandate these employee vaccines. Of course, he did not test the power of his authority to declare such a mandate. He found a loophole. He quote-unquote, instructed OSHA to issue a rule that would include the vaccine mandate. As expected, the uproar against this Nazi-style government overreach has set the U.S. on fire, with several million Americans already pushing back. The governors of Arizona, you heard from him, Alabama, Alaska, Arkansas, Florida, Georgia, Idaho, Iowa, Missouri, Mississippi, Montana, Nebraska, North Dakota, Oklahoma, South Carolina, South Dakota, Tennessee, Texas, and Wyoming, you heard from, have all expressed their defiance of Biden's announcement since it occurred. Governor Christy Noem, she she tweeted this, South Dakota will stand up to defend freedom. At Joe Biden, we'll see you in court. Governor Brian Kemp from Georgia Georgia job creators can't afford Biden's vaccine mandate or the ridiculous fines his administration is threatening. And then there's this. This is not Biden. This is somebody, some big organization that's taking a cue from the president. You know, the guy that told us every time he faced the media up until just a couple of weeks ago, of course, he doesn't face the media now. But previous to that, he was asked all the time, Mr. President, are you going to make vaccines a mandate? He would always say, I don't have that power. He maintained that from the very beginning. He never once opened the door to even a remote possibility that he did have that authority. Well, guess what happened in my state over the weekend? The largest health system in Louisiana is going to start fining employees hundreds of dollars a month. Listen to this. If they're married to an unvaxxed person. Here's what the CEO of Ashner Health, a guy named Warner Thomas, here's what he said in an interview. Quote, The reality is the cost of treating COVID-19, particularly for patients requiring intensive inpatient care. It's expensive. We spent, in his organization, Ochners, we spent more than $9 million on COVID care for those who were covered on our health plans over the last year. Ochner will start charging employees 200 bucks a month or $100 per pay period if their spouse or partner is not vaxxed. The spousal COVID vaccine fee is what they're calling it. It's going to begin at the end of December. And Thomas said, it's not a mandate. Oh, no, we're just going to do it. <laughs> That's what mandates are, folks. you got to do this or else. So it is a mandate. He said non-employed spouses and domestic partners, they've got an option. They can select a health plan outside the Oshner's offerings. Now, that's one reason why healthcare professionals go to work for these big hospital chains because they all provide health insurance. There may be a fee involved in it, but it's way below the commercial insurance health plan premiums. 
Yeah, he continued on his mandate thing. This is not a mandate as non-employed spouses and domestic partners can choose to select a health plan outside of Ochsner's. The fee only applies to domestic partners or spouses, not to other dependents such as children who are covered by the employee's health insurance. As you can expect in Louisiana, that announcement was met with condemnation by a whole bunch of folks on social media, including the Young Americans for Liberty, a libertarian student activism organization. This is a taste of what's coming. There is no end to the madness. Brace yourself. That comes from that organization's official Twitter account. The rollout of vaccine mandates in hospitals is spurring nurses and other healthcare workers across the country to just quit their jobs or face termination over their refusal to comply with the rules. We have a member in our extended family that has been a pharmacist in the Walmart organization for 25 years. She refuses to administer vaccines to any customers. And for that, she was forced to go on a 90-day temporary leave or whatever else while she considered her career going forward. And so when she went back to HR last week, they said, well, you need to see if there's um, a job for you in pharmacy somewhere else within Walmart Corporation than where you were. And of course, the same thing holds true. It doesn't matter where she goes to work. She's not going to agree to take the responsibility and vaccinate these people. Here's something that she didn't know. In fact, my wife brought this up this morning and I told her, here's the difference. Um, We'll go back to that Pfizer vaccination. Remember two weeks ago, three weeks ago when the FDA came out and the news media was all over it. FDA fully approves BioNTech Pfizer's vaccine. And of course, everybody was like, FDA approved it. Now it's safe to go. Well, first of all, FDA did not approve for full use the BioNTech vaccine. If you read the directive that they put out when they announced it, the first paragraph says that, hey, 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 Pfizer's vaccine fully approved by the FDA. Little did we know that all along Pfizer had been working on in the laboratory a second vaccine, Comirnaty. That's the one the FDA fully approved. And in the second paragraph of their release, they say that. And then they added this in there. Pfizer's BioNTech vaccination remains in EUA status. What that is is emergency use authorization only. It's not fully approved. But they did say that it's okay the two are interchangeable. Now, if you hadn't been listening on this show, you're not you're not going to know what I'm talking about. But there's a reason for this happening the way it did. First of all, there are two people on the board of FDA who are former Pfizer high up executives. So they were involved in this decision and not only the decision, but how it was rolled out. It was rolled out the way I just told you for this one reason. First of all, Comer Denny, that, that vaccine that uh, they fully approved, the FDA fully approved, it's not even in distribution status now. You can't get it. The only one you can is still the BioNTech Pfizer vaccine. 
Now, what's so special? What's so different about all this, Dan? Here's the sole reason for what they're doing. First of all, they wanted to get more people to agree and go get vaccinations for whatever reason or reasons. And of course, the fallback is so that you don't get COVID. Forget about the fact that people in huge percentages that have been double vaxxed are now getting COVID and many are dying from it. They don't even want to tell you about it, yet alone talk about it. But here's what this was all about. The government, federal government, which means you and me, when a medicine is temporarily approved for use by the FDA in an emergency use authorization status, EUA, like the Pfizer BioNTech was and still is the status it is, what that does, while it's being done, rolled out in the marketplace as an emergency medicine, the drug company has no vile, no kind of liability if adverse reactions happen of any type to anybody that gets it. In other words, the term is indemnification. The federal government indemnifies Pfizer. So if anybody sues, Pfizer will say, don't sue me. Federal government, Uncle Sam indemnified me. Go sue them. But the second a medicine is fully approved for normal use by the FDA, the government indemnification is gone. So in just a minute, we're going to update you on the COVID VAERS CDC website report from Friday about all of the adverse reactions, everything up to and including death from vaccinations. The largest number of deaths among Americans from vaccinations, from COVID-19 vaccinations, large, large, largest number or from the Pfizer BioNTech vaccination. And what does that mean? The FDA left that in emergency use authorization status only. And so if somebody firmly knows for a fact, biologically, whatever else, scientifically, that their loved one or themselves were horrendously affected and impacted many of those people permanently, many of them physically will never be able to do anything again. Who are they going to hold liable? Who are they going to sue? If it's BioNTech, which is the only Pfizer vaccine that is being used right now, Pfizer's indemnified. They have no liability to you or that person. The rollout of vaccine mandates across the nation in hospitals it's really having some bad reactions. Nurses and other healthcare workers across the country in the thousands are quitting their jobs. And if they don't quit their job, they're facing termination for their refusal to get the vaccination. Protests have also formed in recent weeks with healthcare workers holding signs reading phrases like, we are still essential, say no to vaccines and yes to freedom of choice. Healthcare heroes demand medical freedom and don't fire last year's heroes. We were celebrated last year. That's Indiana nurse Adra Allen. But a few nurses did end up leaving due to the hospital not accepting their medical issues or having a reaction or adverse effect to the first dose of the COVID vaccine. Allen was told to no longer come into her hospital in Indianapolis over refusing the vaccine during her high-risk 
pregnancy. Folks, when you think our government can't do anything more preposterous than what we've seen in the past, they take these oppressive actions against the people one more step higher. And even the private sector, Oshner's, we just told you about here in Louisiana, even the private sector is finding ways to intrude in greater ways into our lives. So the natural thing to ask today, this Monday, October 4th, my oldest grandson's birthday, what will the Biden administration do next? Now don't don't succumb to temptation to think it can't get deep and deeper and more egregious. I'm certain there's more nastiness to come. Why would I say that? Have you followed what's happening in Australia? Let me just give you a little snippet. This is from Sky News. Quote, Australian riot police fired rubber bullets to dispel a crowd of people demonstrating against Melbourne's coronavirus lockdown. More than 200 people were arrested after projectiles thrown by demonstrators injured two officers on Wednesday. Police were pelted with golf balls with batteries and bottles during what was the third consecutive day of demonstrations against the COVID restrictions. The protest defied stay-at-home orders following a two-week closure of building sites in an effort to rein in infections which have risen in the state of Victoria. Vaccines have been made mandatory for construction workers, and authorities closed construction sites from last Tuesday, citing non-compliance with coronavirus rules. Police are preparing to face more demonstrations in the coming days, Deputy Commissioner Ross Gunther said, before adding that the motive of some protesters appeared unclear. Now remember this, these Aussies, they're the folks that are calm, they're genteel, and are certainly not prone to violence, and certainly not to violence in the streets. So if you're interested in what that looks like, just want to take a peekaboo, do an internet search. Search with this, quote, COVID violence in protest over Australian lockdowns and mandates. Put that in your search bar. Use Google or DuckDuckGo, whatever one you use. And then when all of them pop up and you start looking down the list of the stories, look for Sky News. And then click on the Sky News stories about it. They'll shock you. President Biden has only scratched just barely scratched the surface of seizing total power from the people. Now, it may appear to you that these moves for more control of Americans have been a slow trek over the last 18 months. They may have come slowly, but they have, from the beginning, been a stealthy and deliberate process to lull us all to sleep. The Australian government implemented the same things against the Australian people that we're looking at in the process of happening here right now. Their angst, again, their leaders finally reached a boiling point against the leaders, not against each other. Typically, folks, in this kind of situation where protest They turn into riots and riots turn into gunfire and people getting shot and killed and even other types of serious injuries. 
They don't start there. They ramp up when the government ratchets down on the control, ratchets down tighter, tighter, tighter. And it's a a result that is imminent from the very beginning of these. And there are ways to shortcut that from happening. But I don't see anybody in our government, especially in the Biden administration, I don't see anybody trying to put the brakes on. So what are you talking about? Listen to this. The, you know, I told you Fauci made the made the round yesterday. At one of his stops, I want you to listen to what Anthony Fauci said. This is a direct quote. He's talking to you and me, every American. Here's what he said to you. But you are a member of society, and as a member of society, reaping all the benefits of being a member of society, you have a responsibility to society. He said, I think that each of us, particularly in the context of living in a pandemic that's killing millions of people, you got to look at it and say this, there comes a time when you do have to give up what you consider your individual rights of making your own decision and give those up for the greater good of society. I'm going to repeat that sentence he said. There comes a time when you do have to give up what you consider your individual right of making your own decision for the greater good of society. That's the spokesman, the medical spokesman, the COVID god in the Biden administration. And Dr. Walensky at the CDC, she agrees with him 100%. So you got Biden, you've got Kamala Harris. I don't know where she is. I don't know if she's talking, but whenever she does, she's pro-vaccine, pro-this, pro-that. Hey, let the government lock them, let lock us all down. They don't give a rip. Doesn't matter who's saying it. That's their thought process. Power, more power. Lock them down. Lock them down. On another channel yesterday, Face the Nation, CBS. The anchor there is Margaret Brennan. So here's what she said talking to Dr. Fauci. There are two new studies out that show COVID has gotten better at transmitting through aerosols, just through the air. What does that mean, she said? We're going, we're going into colder weather, the holidays. Do people need to start looking around and say it's too risky to gather with family members if there are unvaccinated children? And Fauci, the COVID god, in a very COVID godlike fashion, he replied to Miss Brennan, quote, I believe the way the CDC has recommended is when you're in a situation where you have a dynamics of virus in the community, where there's clearly a lot of spread, even if you are vaccinated and you are in an indoor setting, a congregate setting, it makes sense to wear a mask and to avoid high-risk settings. We shouldn't be looking at ventilation in indoor places. It's clearly spread by aerosol. So you want more ventilation, which is the reason why outdoors is always much safer than indoors. But if you are indoors, Ventilation will be the key. That's the reason we should be paying attention to that. 
And then Brennan asked him, well, what are, what are we going to do about Christmas? Can we get together or is it just too soon to tell? And Fauci kind of leaned back a little bit. Well, you know, Margaret, he said, it's just too soon to tell. We have to concentrate on continuing to get those numbers down and not to try to jump ahead by weeks or months and say what we're going to do at a particular time. Let's focus like a laser on continuing to get these cases down. And we can do it by people getting vaccinated. Also, in the situation where boosters are appropriate to get people boosted, because we know they can help greatly in diminishing infection and diminishing advanced disease. What's that? What's that old song we played the other day? Will it go round in circles? What you just heard there was a gross mis- or a misinterpretation of factual information. Put in mind, she's talking about getting together with your family at Christmas. Your family. You watch any NFL football this weekend? Watch any college football? You watch LSU? Tiger Stadium in Baton Rouge holds 104,000 people now. LSU Athletics put it out several months ago. Vaccines were going to be required for you to go there. Masks were going to be required. There was going to be a limited number of people allowed in Tiger Stadium for football games. So Auburn was in Baton Rouge yesterday, and Auburn came from behind and beat LSU in front of 104,000 people. I didn't see a single mask. I wasn't there, but I watched it on television. I didn't see a single mask being used. Obviously, no social distancing. Same thing happened in Georgia. Everywhere college football was happening around the nation, there was no social distancing. Nobody was checking for vaccines. They didn't check for vaccines at LSU. It was all talking points. It was trying to be politically correct. It was trying to appease the COVID god, Dr. Anthony Fauci, and the politicians. And you want a medical fact? They won't even tell you about deaths. CDC has taken COVID deaths out of their reporting. Oh, it's there, but you have to dig through layer and layer and layer and layer of reports and information to even find it. They used, that was front news on every, uh, Fox News had up on their website a big section that stayed in the same place on the right side, all in red, reversed out white, that gave us the daily death toll. They dropped that a long time ago. You know why? Because it's not politically expedient any longer because the death rate, the mortality rate at the hands of COVID-19 now is lower than it's ever been. But they can't let any good news about any of this slip out. They just can't do it. So I told you about the weekly VARS report. Vaccine Adverse Event Reports. V-A-E-R-S. VAERS. It comes from the CDC, folks. These numbers come from the CDC. The VAERS report is on the CDC website. They don't report it. Nobody in the CDC, Fauci or Dr. Walensky, nobody 
ever talks about these adverse event reports. We do know when they were pressed several months ago, they said the numbers that are reported in all these various areas, the deaths, and then all of the different types of adverse reactions that people that get vaccinated have. They say that it's from 50 to 100 times more than the numbers of these that are actually reported by medical professionals to the CDC. So what numbers are they reporting as of Friday? Through September the 24th, these are always a week late. Friday they put out the previous week's number. So, through September 24th, specifically because of adverse reactions to vaccinations, 15,937 people have died, 71,036 hospitalizations, 85,377 have gone for urgent care, 117,838 doctor office visits, anaphylaxic shock, 6,737, Bell's palsy, 9,035, miscarriages, 2,262, heart attacks, 7,582, myocarditis and pericarditis, 6,812, permanent disability, 20,789, thrombocytopenia, low platelet cases, 3,427, other life-threatening Reactions, 16,878. Severe allergic reactions, 28,168. Shingles, 8,153. So, those are the numbers that the CDC themselves says. If you want to extrapolate these numbers to the reality and drop it over American, figure 100 times that. So, what does that mean? That means there are adverse reactions to Americans of over a million cases. They estimate 16,000 deaths, multiply that by 100. And they don't even tell us about this. All they report are the numbers of cases. And oh, by the way, they're confirming these COVID-19 symptoms that take people to get tests. They're confirming twice as many cases as they have told us the PCR case results that come back are valid with. They're telling us, by the way, in two months they're ending the use of PCR tests altogether because they're coming back with about 50% false positives. And they're incorrect. So what's going on, folks? COVID is real. No question about it. COVID is deadly. No question about it. Yes, people have died and will continue to die of COVID-19 and its issues that happens in people's bodies. It's a disease. It's a virus. It's deadly. Deaths are going to happen. But it's not happening. Listen to this. If this is through Friday, the official percentage numbers, if you roll in every American Every demographic, every age group, you put everybody in it, top to bottom, two-year-old kid, six-month-old kid, all the way up to a 100-year-old elder in America. You roll them all in. 
you are more likely, percentage-wise, the odds are that, you are more likely to die from the flu than you are to die from COVID-19. The struggle is a struggle, but the struggle is not nearly the story that is painted for us. So what's it all about? Conspiracy theories abound. Again, I'll go back to what I know factually based upon this one thing, that South Louisiana edict that always applies. If it quacks and waddles, it's a duck. Look at the power that we have ceded to the White House. Look at the power that we have ceded to a segment of our federal government in the executive branch and those endowed by the executive branch to be the COVID God's minions in government. Dr. Anthony Fauci. Look at the messages that we've been given that weren't truthful on which many of us made life and death decisions. I know people who have loved ones that died because they were following instructions and if they had not followed the instructions they were given by these experts, their loved one would be alive. You know, this story been floating around now for months and months and months about how the hospitals, their policies about treating COVID They have loved ones that are going in, and as soon as they go in, as quickly as they can find a spot, these hospitals are moving them immediately into intensive care, and they are putting them on remdesivir treatment and a couple of other medications. Have you noticed that? Have you heard those kind of stories? And people are saying, well, they're getting paid big dollars. And, of course, Snopes.com comes back. Factcheck.com comes back. There's no truth to that. There's no truth to that. There is truth to that. And I have the truth for you straight from the CDC. I'll give you those numbers. Get ready, folks. It's going to blow your mind. That's up next. Real truth. Real news. TNN. The Truth News Network. A divorce lawyer should be more than just a lawyer. Divorce is like no other experience, especially for guys. At Cordell & Cordell, our clients want a partner standing next to them. Someone they can trust. Someone who understands where they are and how to get them out. We are the attorneys of Cordell & Cordell. We are advisors and advocates for men before, during, and after divorce. We are Cordell & Cordell. A partner men can count on. To schedule your appointment, give us a call or visit us online at CordellCordell.com. See the bold new expression of sporty style. Hear the amazing quietness of a truly luxurious cabin. Feel the exceptional horsepower and amazing torque and experience greater acceleration than ever before. Behold, the most powerful sedan in its class. The new Toyota Camry. Real power, absolute performance. Discover the new Camry at toyota.com.my. Could switching to GEICO really save you 15% or more on car insurance? Did the little piggy cry wee, wee, wee all the way home? Wee! Wee, wee, wee! 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 Wee!
her home. Oh, cool. Thanks, Mrs. A. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. New Dunkin' Refreshers. Vibrant fruit flavors like strawberry dragon fruit and peach passion fruit. B vitamins and energy from green tea. All under 200 calories. Order ahead via the Dunkin' app for contactless way to order, pay, and pick up in the drive-thru. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. The Speaker of the House lies. The media swear to it. The President of the Senate obstructs. The media are all over the place, but totally divorced from the truth. So let's get back to navigating this Stygian River with, again, Dan Newman. I have no clue where the Stygian River is. We're going to pilot what we have in front of us right now. We're going straight. We're going one notch above the CDC. This, what I'm about to give to you, comes from the entity, the government, U.S. government entity, that Congress has a contract with, and everything to do with Medicare and Medicaid, I mean completely, 100%, comes through what's called the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. You've heard it termed all the time, CMS. CMS CMS.gov. They're the ones where all of the orders that come out of the Biden White House, come out of Congress regarding anything to do with health care, they're administrated by CMS. And if you're a Medicare patient, you may think you get your Medicare card and it's got a toll-free number to call when you have a problem. It's Medicare, Medicare. You think there's some big building in Washington stamped on the roof that says Medicare. There's no such thing. In fact, Medicare itself doesn't pay one dime of Medicare payments to hospitals, to clinics, to doctors, or even to you. CMS contracts with commercial insurance companies around the nation, and they process Medicare and Medicaid claims and VA claims. You learned something new today. By the way, anytime you want to weigh in or ask questions or take me on, and discuss something we're talking about, please call 866-37-TRUTH, 1-866-378-7884. So, the question is, why are the hospitals rushing so rapidly to push patients that come in the ER and they have respiratory distress? And folks, there are 150 different versions of severe respiratory distress. Anything doing with the lungs is respiratory. And I don't need to tell you, there are all kinds of respiratory issues, diseases, uh, viruses, like pneumonia. But there's this massive push. It's been there for over a year. And there are protocol in hospitals that it's okay for you when somebody comes into the ER, even before you get a COVID-19 test result, Go ahead and diagnose them as COVID-19. Why would they do that? We've had people on this show that say there's this huge rush across the nation at hospitals. Hospital protocol, when you get a COVID patient, two things are going to happen. They're going to advise. They don't even advise. Their protocol is they're going to put you on remdesivir. In addition to that, if you can't get your, if they can't get your O2 level up at a reasonable level, they're going to put you in ICU. 
And so everybody says, follow the money. You know, it's got to be for the money. And then Snopes.com, factcheck.com, others, even Washington Post comes out and says, there is no factual proof of that happening. Well, there is. And it is about the money. Listen to this. This is from CMS.gov. The title of this release is New COVID-19 Treatments Add-On Payment. So the abbreviation for that is called NCTAP. NCTAP, New COVID-19 Treatments Add-On Payment. Here's what it, I'm going to read it to you verbatim. CMS issued an interim final rule with a comment period that established the new COVID-19 treatments add-on payment, NCTAP, under the Medicare inpatient prospective payment system. The NCTAP designed to mitigate potential financial disincentives for hospitals to provide new COVID treatments. In effect, from November 2nd, 2020, it's been out there that long, 11 months this has been in place. And it will last until the end of the COVID-19 public health emergency. God knows when that's going to happen. They're sure not pointing toward any place in our lifetime, in our timeline ahead, where, hey, it looks like it's all going to spin down here by Christmas. No, no, no. In fact, they're keeping it going. Let's continue. Through the NCTAP, the Medicare program will provide an enhanced payment for eligible inpatient cases. So they got to be checked into the hospital, come out of the ER, go upstairs. You're now a new COVID patient and you are in line to get those new COVID treatments like remdesivir and the intensive care ward. And there's a payment, an enhanced payment for these cases that use certain new products with current FDA approval or emergency use authorization. You've heard that before today, EUA, emergency use authorization to treat COVID-19 that include this. On August 23rd, 2020, the FDA issued an executive use authorization for the use of COVID-19 convalescent plasma for treating COVID-19 in hospitalized patients. On October 22, 2020, the FDA approved remdesivir for the treatment of COVID-19 for adults and certain pediatric patients requiring hospitalization. On November 19, 2020, the FDA issued an emergency use authorization for the use of Olumiant, which is another IV medicine, in combination with remdesivir for the treatment of suspected or laboratory-confirmed COVID-19 in certain hospitalized patients. You got all that. They have to check you into the hospital the diagnosis has to say COVID-19. Okay, let me tell you about remdesivir. IV only. The minimum treatment from remdesivir is three days of IV treatment in the hospital. 
And the rack rate for remdesivir is $1,000 a dose. So forget about all of the added hospital expenses for you being there for three days. It's $3,000 just to get the drug. So how much are they getting paid, Dan? Well, it's not little, folks. Let's continue. And we're almost to the end of this. For eligible cases, the NCTAP is equal to the lesser of these. Lesser of these. Lesser of these. Lesser of what? 65% of the operating outlier threshold for the claim. 65%. Is it going to be that or is it going to be this? The next one. 65% of the amount by which the cost of the case exceed the standard diagnose relate group. That's DRGs. That's the process that in Medicare, all hospitals, inpatient care for a patient in the hospital, they are paid based on DRGs, which is diagnosis-related group payment. It's like a a level of payment for every procedure that is set, depending on the zip code of the hospital, regionally, costs are different from one city to another. For instance, whatever you do, however a hospital in, like Mount Sinai in Manhattan, whatever they treat a patient there is going to cost them way more than it's going to cost in Shreveport, Louisiana. So there's a DRG. So if this is a COVID patient, what's the government going to pay you? In addition to the normal Medicare numbers, how much extra are you going to get? 65% of the threshold for the claim. So in other words, you're going to get paid 165% of what you would normally get paid for a Medicare patient. Or 165% of the amount by which the cost of this case exceed the standard, the DRG payment in that location for that person in that hospital, including the adjustment to the relative weight under Section 3710 of the Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security Act, the CARES Act. So there you have it, folks. Why are they fighting to check you into the hospital? You go to the ER and you're having respiratory distress. Oh, It's COVID. Well, it looks like COVID. We hadn't got the test back yet. So what we're going to do in the meantime, we're going to check you in. Boom. Cha-ching, cha-ching. If they were getting paid $3,000 when they check you in, they're going to get 165% of $3,000. And then if they infuse you, if they tell you, you've got it and we're going to put you on remdesivir, you don't have an option. Their protocol says it, you got to do it. Your only option, you can't fight. You can't tell them, I don't want remdesivir, folks. Do you understand that? The only way you can get out of that is to leave the hospital. And that's happening, by the way. Follow the money. Follow the money. Now, let's move on. I don't want to spend the whole day on COVID, not that it's it's not important. <laughs> I, I, I think everybody knows my opinion. We've had it in our family. My wife's had it. Grandsons have had it. 
daughters. It's a serious thing, but it's being used. Report comes out over the weekend. Antibody levels that were generated by two shots of the Pfizer, which one? BioNTech vaccine can undergo up to a tenfold decrease seven months following the second vaccination. So in other words, those natural antibodies that these vaccinations, and all vaccinations are supposed to kick off when they go into the body, what happens? Our body's natural immunity system, it creates antibodies to go kill the vaccine. Uh, the va- uh, Kill the vaccine, not the vaccine, but the virus that comes into our body. And supposedly, we were told by Dr. Fauci and every other doctor, hey, 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 you get this vaccine. And then they later came up and said, well, the Pfizer and the Moderna are going to be two-shot vaccines. You know, six weeks later, you go get another one just to make sure we've got it all taken care of. If you get those, we were told you're going to be fine. Now they're saying antibody levels, even with the two shots of the Pfizer BioNTech, this report's not about Moderna's. We don't have those numbers. It can drop a 10 times less effective antibody level in seven months. The drop in antibody levels is going to compromise our body's ability to defend itself against COVID-19 if you're infected again. And is that ever going to happen? Breakthrough infections. Right now, today, in Israel, 80% of patients in the hospital with COVID hospitalization required because of a COVID-confirmed case, 80%, or among those that fall into this exact category. Their antibodies didn't get it, and they get infected again. So the shots aren't working. Uh, you can't say that. You know what? Dr. Mercola, we've, we've had him on the show. We've printed his opinions and stuff. He is one of the foremost experts on everything to do with viruses and treatment of viruses and has been for decades Google totally took him off of YouTube over the weekend. No notice. They took him off. He's written books. He has audios up, videos, uh, all kinds of stuff. It's one of the best medical websites out there. It was. Not only did YouTube pull it down, they erased all of the videos, the content, everything on that site, his site, his YouTube site. He used it every day. And millions of people looked at it every day. You know the justification they gave? Giving out inaccurate information, misrepresenting facts about vaccines. This is all happening, folks. It's happening right now among us. And we haven't even talked about the mandates. Oh, we did in the first part of the show but none of the details. Why is it that healthcare workers, the people that know more than you or I know, why are they pushing back so hard? Several hundred healthcare workers in Virginia have either lost their jobs or been suspended already because they're refusing to comply with mandates to get vaccinated. 
Governor Ralph Northam, who's a Democrat, by the way. In August, he joined other states that included California, New York, and his neighbor, North Carolina, in issuing a directive that mandates COVID vaccines for most of not only healthcare workers, but Virginia state workers across the board, a move that applied to more than 120,000 executive branch employees in Virginia. Two further vaccine mandate deadlines for hospital systems in the state, including Sentara and UVA Health, have been set for October 18th and November 1st, respectively. Anybody who was unvaccinated the 1st of November is going to face disciplinary action, including the possibility of termination. That comes from a UVA Health System news release. This timeline gives employees eight weeks to become fully vaccinated now that the FDA approved at least one of the vaccines. You know, they approved the one that you can't even buy now. But if, you know, if by jingos, if it was out there, we we think it's good, but it's not out on the market. Pfizer's second one, the Comartony. So what do you do? Just go get the BioNTech. You know, forget about the fact that that's killed 20,000 people times probably 100. And that's reported on the CDC VAR reporting system. According to the Washington Post, rural areas in Virginia with large numbers of unvaccinated individuals are seeing a higher number of healthcare workers either being suspended, fired, or quitting their jobs over these vaccine mandates. In Innova, 89 healthcare workers, less than half of 1% of its workforce, have either lost their jobs or been suspended because they're refusing to get the vaccination. Slightly more than 1% of Valley health workers have been fired. Some healthcare systems across Virginia, citing fears of staffing shortages, have not implemented any vaccine mandates. In a rural hospital, it doesn't take a whole lot of people to walk away for it to have a serious effect on your hospital. That's according to Alan Levine, the CEO of Ballad Health. It's a lot easier to recruit nurses to Northern Virginia than it is to Southwest Virginia. That's out in the country. Levine said he estimates that 5 to 10% of Ballad Health's workforce would be lost if it were to mandate vaccines. The disease, of course, caused by the COVID virus. Separately, J. Stephen Jones, the president and CEO of Innova, told a news outlet its mandate is based on very strong, extremely clear guidance on the safety and efficacy of the vaccine. About a dozen states nationwide have enforced vaccination mandates for healthcare workers in hospitals, long-term care facilities, or both. While some allow exemptions on medical or religious grounds, those workers often must undergo regular COVID-19 testing. And by the way, don't forget, Sleepy Joe, he announced 17 million workers at healthcare facilities that receive federal Medicare or Medicaid funding. They're all going to be required to be fully vaccinated. And that rule is still being developed but they're going to roll it out as quickly as they possibly can. You know what's going to happen if and when they do that? And at this point, they are going to do it. You know what's going to happen? We are going to be just like our buddies across the pond that have been for years and years and years. I'm talking about the United Kingdom throughout all of Europe, pretty much. Socialized medicine, where it doesn't matter how serious your medical issue is, 
the only way you're going to get any real health care is if it's really, really bad and you end up at the ER. But if it requires any kind of surgery, you're going to be put on a waiting list. I personally, in my business, years ago, our medical reimbursement management company, we worked with Washington Hospital Center, the biggest medical facility in the Potomac Valley. Great institution. And we helped them managing their emergency transportation and non-emergency transportation. That, that means ground and air ambulances. And they had hundreds of them in service. So we worked with them to help manage that part of their hospital. I got two calls from people I didn't even know in Canada. They had heard about me. They heard about the fact that we work closely with Washington Hospital Center and wanted to know if I could open a door for them there to talk to somebody about having both of them were heart bypasses. They both needed them, both Canadians. They were both put on a waiting list. One of them, it was 15 months. One of them was like eight or nine months, and both of them were in serious shape. They needed to get bypass surgery. Couldn't get it in Canada. So I called my contact at Washington Hospital Center, and he went and got with the bosses, and they worked it out. Now, of course, for Canadian insurance companies, uh, they don't look kindly to uh, paying for for their insured people to go to the United States and get healthcare treatment there. So there was some negotiating went on, but make long story short, both of these, one was a woman, one was a man. Both of them got their bypass surgery at Washington hospital center within days of this being set up. We're headed that way. That's exactly where we're headed folks or maybe worse. Oh my gosh. I told you about Israel having these, breakthrough infections, more than a dozen members of our U.S. Congress have reported breakthrough infections after getting vaccinations. Although almost all reported mild symptoms, no complications. Representative Bob Gibbs, a Republican from Ohio, he's one of them. He's the latest to report testing positive. He said, earlier today, I was feeling under the weather with symptoms of a bad cold. I was tested for COVID-19. While it was positive, I'm vaccinated, and it is so far preventing what could have been a worse infection. So according to The Hill, the newspaper, here are the other folks that have tested positive, in other words, a breakthrough infection, people that are vaccinated. Senator Lindsey Graham, Senator Roger Wicker, Senator Angus King, Senator John Hickenlooper, Representative Brian Babin of Texas, Representative Vern Buchanan of Florida, Representative Sharice Davids from Kansas, Representative Ralph Norman from South Carolina, Representative Troy Nels from Texas, Representative Kelly Armstrong, North Dakota, Representative Mike Doyle, Pennsylvania, and Representative Darren Soto from Florida. All of those folks got both sides of the vaccination, whichever one they did, Pfizer or Moderna, having breakthrough infections. Now, fortunately, these so far haven't been serious, not like these ones in Israel. 80% of those people over there in hospitals, which means they're bad enough to be checked in or because of breakthrough infections. It's just not factual what we're being told. 
And I'm not a conspiracy theorist. And we here at Truth News Network, we are not, we will never be. We don't denigrate the validity of the, or the seriousness of COVID-19. I got a phone call from a close friend of mine. His first name is Al. He lives in Brennan, Texas. He's like two years younger than me. Kind of built the same way I am. You know, good size, slightly overweight. Not obese, but slightly overweight. He and his wife both got COVID and really got bad, 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 bad cases three months ago. He was in the hospital in intensive care for weeks and gets out. He had so many effects of what he went through that he had to go to a rehab hospital. And he's not an old guy, folks. And so I stayed in touch with him through electronic tweets and Facebook Messenger. And out of the clear blue Saturday morning, my phone rings and it's out. He could barely talk and he could only whisper a couple of sentences and he's still wheezing. It's serious, folks. But what is just as serious is the power grab that we're in the middle of underway by our elite political bureaucratic atmosphere, establishment, to seize hold of our lives in many ways in which we never even thought about our government or any bureaucratic entity having control of. And we're getting close to the point of no return where we can't stop it. This train is roaring down the tracks, and it's headed for disaster. There is no question about that. The only question is, can we stop it? Can we, the people, stop this from crashing in that tunnel where our train is headed? That's a question you need to ask and answer yourself. Are you ready for best life minus the burnout? I'm Zuri Hall from NBC's Access Hollywood, and my new podcast, Hot Happy Mess, is all about the most important VIP, you. Join us each Monday as we discuss relationships, self-care, career, and much more. Our podcast is for mindful, ambitious, diverse millennial women who are ready for more happiness, laughter, peace, and purpose now. iHeartRadio is number one for podcasts, and it's easy to see why. Listen to Hot Happy Mess every week on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Here's good news. Even with high unemployment, there's still a need for hundreds of thousands of cybersecurity professionals in the U.S. right now. And My Computer Career is training people to help meet the demand. No IT experience? No problem. Take the free career evaluation today at mycomputercareer.edu. Start your new life as an IT pro in as little as four months. Grants covering up to 53% of the cost are available to those who qualify. It's not rocket science. It's mycomputercareer.edu. Hey, Thirst, can I try out a few Coke Summer sound effects on you? Yes. Cool. You okay with this? Yes. And this? Yes. And what about this? you there, Thirst. That wasn't sound effects. That was a Coke. I'm no longer thirsty. You're so out of here. Coca-Cola. Open happiness. You get a whole lot of something with Farmer's Policy Perks. So much, I'm going to have to speed things up. You can get the claim-free discount, which gives you money off your homeowner's policy if you've been claim-free for three consecutive years. Also, wise for three successive years, three years straight, and what's known to insurance fans as the claim-free three-peat. 
Get a whole lot of something with Farmers Policy Perks. Start with a quote by calling 1-800-FARMERS. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Now for the legal something. Not available in every state. Only available with select farmers branded policy subject to terms and conditions underwritten by Farmers Truck or Fire Insurance Exchanges or Affiliate. In a world where a president can be censored by social media in his own country, you need a break from the madness. Your doctor of sanity again, Dan Newman. We know who that president was. Not that long ago. Seems like it was a way, way, way back long time ago. Donald Trump. He got kicked off of Twitter permanently for life. You remember that? It's just more of the power grab that's underway. Big big tech, social media giants, Facebook, Google, Twitter, they're leading the charge. And the reason they're doing it is because there's so much insanity by the conservative political um, establishment. Yeah, conservatives, if you're conservative, you're the enemy. You're the one that's causing all of this because you just won't toe the line. And of course, all these people that have died, every one of them are the direct fault of Donald Trump, at least according to that brain surgeon from Southern California, Representative Maxine Waters. Here, she's explaining it. I now recognize myself for four minutes to give an opening statement. As this pandemic continues, the Biden administration and congressional Democrats continue to work around the clock following the catastrophic failure of the Trump administration. We're also working together to put President Biden's Build Back Better agenda, all while being completely paid for. Democrats are also working to address the past failures of the Trump administration's approach to the pandemic. The Federal Reserve has also played a part in the response to the pandemic through the creation of emergency facilities to help tackle the crisis until they were prematurely shut down by former Secretary Mnuchin the next time there is a crisis amid Democrats' continuing efforts to ensure that relief reaches communities across the country. Republicans continue to operate recklessly. Even now, Republicans are threatening to throw the economy into unnecessary turmoil by blocking legislation to suspend the debt ceiling. It's completely unacceptable for Republicans to hold our nation's economy hostage especially in the middle of this continuing public health crisis. And when fully one-fourth of the increase in the debt ceiling is attributed to Trump's tax scam for the rich. Tax scam for the rich. Rich folks. Oh, my gosh. Rich folks are evil. White folks are evil. Donald Trump is evil. And everything going on right now in the pandemic that's bad. It's because of Donald Trump. People are dying because of Donald Trump. If you believe in vaccines, you believe in their efficacy, the necessity. Do you think Joe Biden, if he had started from square one as Donald Trump did regarding getting vaccinations available for all Americans, do you think Joe could get it done in nine months, 10 months? Fauci told us Minimum amount of time it would take would be two years. Whether or not you like vaccines, Trump got them in 10 months. Never been done before in history. He cut the deal with the drug companies. 
and they had a distribution plan. Joe Biden, when he and Kamala took office, they said there was no distribution plan. When it was presented to us, we had the distribution plan in writing from the Trump administration in September before the vaccine stuff started in December and January. Every mistake, every bad thing that happens, it's because you're conservative. Leaders, whatever else, it's all because you're conservative. They're the evil ones. And, of course, you heard her say, oh, when your taxes were lowered last year, two years ago. You remember that? Every American that paid taxes, their tax rates went down, with the exception of a few of the wealthiest of Americans. They didn't get the tax cuts. Maxine said that's a tax scam. It's a tax scam. We could go on and on and on and on, but we won't. There are many other things going on, very thing, very important things that we need to point out and you need to understand. There's something that nobody's been talking about, and it's how this administration treats the American relationship with China. You remember how tough Donald Trump was on China because trade especially, it was upside down. We were having massive trade deficits year after year after year with China, and they were just running roughshod over the nation on goods and products that uh, many of were being produced here in America, and companies went out of business because the old tax policies and trade policies with China, it just didn't work out. We couldn't compete with them. So Trump basically said, he told Xi Jinping, We're going to level the playing field here, and until you do, we're going to put tariffs on your stuff coming here. Oh, the left went crazy. You can't do that. China is the emerging market on planet Earth. We've got to, as America, we've got to have access to their people for all of our goods and services. They said that while pushing production and manufacturing in the United States, pushing it over to the Pacific Ocean and shipping it to China because they let China do whatever they wanted to do in our marketplace. Trump straightened it out. He re-leveled the playing field and made it so that a bunch of American companies and even big Chinese companies, new ones would come over here and big tech companies like Apple and YouTube, they moved massive amounts of their operations back to the United States because Trump made it fair. And that put a lot of Chinese business over here. Well, guess what Joe Biden's doing? Guess what's happening today, right now as we speak? What's going on right now, today? The Biden administration is announcing today a new strategy on trade with China. So what's it going to be? It's going to include extending tariff exclusion on certain Chinese goods. In other words, they're going to exempt Chinese goods, some previous ones that had been exempted, plus some new ones Joe's going to give them a pass on. Our new trade representative, Catherine Tai, in a speech at a Washington think tank on Monday, today, she's revealing the China trade policy of the Biden administration. It focuses on the bilateral trade agreement and the tariffs on hundreds of billions of dollars of Chinese imports that the Trump administration imposed. 
Here's how she explained what they're doing. First, our objective is not to escalate trade tensions with China or to double down on the previous administration's flawed strategy. As part of the new trade strategy, this office, the U.S. Trade Rep Office, will revisit the Phase 1 trade agreement signed between the U.S. and China January in 2020. They're going to ask Beijing to follow through on the commitments it has made. Well, they're going to ask them to follow through? If you have an agreement, a signed, double-signed agreement for trade stuff, why wouldn't somebody be forced to comply with it with the other terms that they were getting favor with held up over their heads? And if you don't abide by your part, we're going to pull the good stuff. Why wouldn't the Biden folks do that? That's a question. Why would Biden coddle the Chinese? That's another question. The phase one trade deal, you remember, you probably, you remember we did it. You may not remember the terms. It requires China to buy $200 billion worth of additional U.S. goods and services during the two years, 2021 and 2020, the year before. Analysis of the trade data showed that China met about 58% of its purchase commitments last year. 69% through August of this year. According to the Biden administration, results from the agreement are mixed with the agriculture sector benefiting the most from the agreement. Beijing has met about 92% of its import target in agriculture, but has fallen short in meeting its commitments in manufactured goods and energy. After a comprehensive review, the Biden administration is going to use the enforcement mechanism under the agreement to make sure that China meets those commitments. Second, Ms. Tai said, we will start a targeted tariff exclusion process. We'll also keep open the potential for additional exclusion processes in the future. Biden has maintained the tariffs on nearly $360 billion worth of Chinese goods enacted by the previous administration. He kept them. But Biden officials believe the previous administration's tariff campaign didn't address China's unfair trade practices and instead hurt select sectors of the economy. Didn't give us any names, didn't give us any data to back up this assumption. They said while it's unclear which goods or sectors will benefit from the tariff exclusions, The administration will align existing tariffs with its priorities, which is to protect American workers and producers. We'll see how China responds on Monday, and we'll adjust accordingly. Don't you just feel better hearing that, that Joe's on the, he's on the watch, and uh, even though the Chinese have failed miserably in keeping their side of the bargain, in one year they only, they only met Uh, 58% of what the contract said they were supposed to, and so far this year, 69%. And there is an enforcement mechanism built in the agreement. Don't know what it is, but they just told us it's in there, and we're not going to hold them to the fire. Can anybody listening think of a reason why Joe would back off so much so quickly on China? Let me think. Let me think. Why would that be? Maybe that Hunter Biden multi-billion dollar investment deal that he cut on Air Force Two with his father flying to Beijing. And though Hunter Biden never had any 
investment strategy in his shadow, never done anything regarding any kind of corporate investment project. Xi Jinping's minions cut a deal with Hunter Biden and a new company he started, an American company, by the way, with a billion and $500 million seed fund by China. You think that might have anything to do to Joe taking his uh, foot off the accelerator to make sure we don't do too much negative stuff? <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. So something now, this is amazing to me, and it just shocks me, but it happens over and over and over again. When something really big negative is happening on the landscape, I don't care where it is and what part of the U.S., who it involves in our government, it's, it, it always stops at the White House. Everything does because he's told us the buck stops there. And when we try to adhere to what he says, which is he's ultimately responsible for everything, then he begins to say, I don't know about that. I didn't have anything to do with that. That's somebody else. Oh, Trump did that. Mike Pence did that. Mike Pompeo as Secretary of State, he did that. We didn't do it. It's not our fault. The buck really doesn't stop it, Joe. It should stop it, Joe. Things like the border crisis. What the heck are they going to do about all this mess? I listened this morning, early, early this morning. I listened to an interview with uh, Mayorkas. He was being drilled by a member of Congress in a committee hearing. Mayorkas was virtual. He wasn't in the room. And, I mean, he doesn't accept responsibility for anything. It doesn't matter if it's in black and white and as plain as the nose is on his face. He will never accept any accountability for anything bad that happens. And here's the way he does it. He spins it so that it's not a bad thing. It may look like a bad thing, but if I may, that's what he says every time when he objects to something in a question that is being asked by a member of Congress, either Senate or House in these committee hearings. He'll say, Senator, if I may, and then he'll give his objection to it. He was a federal prosecutor for a number of years, and he talks just like a lawyer. I know that may surprise you. So we have this southern border thing going on. And so Mitt Romney, in one of these hearings, he's sitting there and he's looking at charts that are set up on an easel in the hearing room. And the charts monitor the numbers of these illegal apprehensions that are happening at our southern border and how they have skyrocketed on Mayorkas and Biden's watch. Listen to this back and forth between former presidential candidate former governor and now senator, U.S. Senator Mitt Romney and Secretary of Homeland Security, Mayorkas. Here they are. Mr. Chairman, um, I must admit that I have found this hearing to be stunning uh, in that that uh, it, it seems, Mr. Secretary, that uh, you're proud of the progress being made by the administration, that, uh, that uh, things are going well at the border. And, and I look at this chart that was prepared uh, by Senator Johnson, and, and I see an extraordinary crisis. I mean, do you recognize this as a, an alarming crisis? Uh, Senator, uh, I look at immigration uh, as a challenge that has been persistent for many, many uh, of years. Of course, but, uh, but, but we were running along here, and now we're seeing 
uh, we're seeing apprehensions at the border that have skyrocketed. And, and, and just as alarming, perhaps even more so, is the chart that came from, from Senator Portman, which is unaccompanied children uh, who are being led into the country, an explosion. And that not, I mean, is this not a massive uh, failure that, that would suggest that the administration needs to take immediate action to remedy what's, what we're seeing here? Uh, Senator, we have taken immediate action with respect to the unaccompanied children, and we've is, made Is the number coming down? And we, are, we are addressing that challenge with increasing efficiency every single well, day. In increasing efficiency to get them moved to other parts of the country and with families and out of these crowded facilities. I understand that. I'm delighted that we're not having kids sleeping on floors and, 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 and in cages. That totally, but the number coming into our country and being released into our country is at a, a skyrocketed level, as is this. The, the question is, do you have plans to do something dramatically different such that those numbers come down to an acceptable level? Because you can imagine this overwhelms our Border Patrol agents. I mean, if they've got numbers like this they're dealing with, this means that the, the drug cartels can be smuggling through uh, drugs because our folks are taking care of kids, they're taking care of people coming in illegally. Do we have plans to dramatically address what's happening here? Uh, two points, if I may, Senator, um, uh, both of which are extremely important. The laws of our country provide um, certain procedures and certain rights for children who arrive unaccompanied and have claims of asylum, who claim fear of persecution by reason of their membership in a particular I, I, social group. I understand so we that. have an obligation. But, but, but they were... But, but we were turning those, those kids away under Title 42, and the new administration came in and said, we won't turn them away, we'll let them come in. And I presume as a result of that, the numbers went through the roof. Um, Senator, we are addressing the numbers consistent with the law. Well, but under the do you want to propose a new law? I mean, we have a crisis both for children. I mean, you, you talk about the humanitarian concerns of kids that come here, and I, I understand we've addressed These are that. children. But you're addressing that. They're children. Think of them coming here all the way from Honduras. Think of the trial of going across the, the entire country of Mexico to get here, and, and, and then being, uh, not being able to come into the country. Yeah, let's put this up. Senator. I mean, this is, this is a crisis for children. The fact, the fact that these that these kids are coming here, making that kind of journey, and, and they're not going to be be allowed to stay in this country. Senator, I, Senator, if I may, we're the United States of America. Ninety percent of these children have a parent or legal guardian in the United States, and they have a claim uh, of fear of persecution. So this is not a problem then. If I, your if view I, is your view is that this is the way it's going to be. If if I may, if I may, Senator. They have a claim under the law for humanitarian relief, either um, their claim of asylum or their claim for special immigrant juvenile status. Yeah. And we can, in fact, meet the challenge yeah. of humanitarian relief. What, what I find astonish, astonishing, Mr. Chairman, is that we have the secretary responsible for securing our border and our immigration system who doesn't recognize these charts as being a problem. And there are human beings behind these numbers. And it is not saying, hey, we've got to make some changes immediately. I, oh. I, find, that, I find that extraordinary and, and extremely damning. Uh, if I may, <laughs> Senator Romney, let, let, me, let me just tell you what's going on there. You know, Mayorkas was like, you heard him say, this is the United States of America. If I may, 
if I'm a senator, 90% of these children that come in, they have a relative or a parent that already live in the United States. And these young people, they are threatened. They have problems. They're, they're scared for their lives. And we've got to let them come in. We've, uh, we've got to make it, you know, the process, we have a flawed process, and it's not working. Here's what nobody wants to talk about, folks. Do, how, many, how many people immigrated to the United States legally going through the process last year? A million. How many people immigrated to the United States went through the process in 2021? Uh, excuse me, 2019. A million. Why is that? Listening to Mayorkas, the system's broken. People can't make their asylum claims anywhere because they can't get to a place where to make them. Why is it that every year there are a million people and have been every year for dozens and dozens of dozens of years, a million people immigrate through our legal process as set up in immigration law, written and signed into law by a president after a Congress passes those laws. And yet this president, this Secretary of Homeland Security, this Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, they all are in March step to say it's not working. The fair way, the legal way doesn't work. It's unfair. So we're going to ignore the laws and we're just going to let anybody come in that wants to come in. And all they have to tell us is we're afraid. We're afraid. They're going to kill us. We got to get out of here. You got to let us in. Look, the cartels, the drug folks, the traffickers, they're going to kill us. We can't live in our home anymore. And in their home, in most of their big cities in those countries in Central America and every country on earth, we have a consulate. They can go to our consulate and make an asylum claim. And if it's legitimate, if it's confirmed, if it's real, they'll be entered into the legal immigration sick. A million, a million did just that. And they're here now in the U.S. legally. A politician's worst nightmare? The truth. And you're getting it here with Dan Newman on TNN, the Truth News Network. Those in the know like to stay in the realm of innovation. Join them. It's easy to keep up with the latest trends and own the latest tech with BMW Select as it offers you the option to drive a brand new BMW every three years. You also get to tailor your deal to suit your pocket and your lifestyle. Visit select.bmw.co.za for more. BMW Select, dynamic finance for ultimate control. BMW Financial Services is an authorized FSP and registered credit provider. T's and C's apply. Little Caesar's Thin Crust Pizza is so loaded with cheese and pepperoni you can't even see the crust. And if you ever want to see it again, listen very carefully. Bring 649 in unmarked bills or marked bills or coins or just a credit or debit card to Little Caesar's. Come alone and bring your friends or family. Bring everyone. Get a Little Caesar's Large Thin Crust Pizza with extra cheese and the most pepperoni, all at the nation's best price of just 649. Pizza, pizza. Top four national pizza chains. Extra most bestest thin crust pepperoni pizza versus large round one topping thin crust pepperoni pizza. Everyday standard menu prices at participating locations plus tax. Well, 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 U.S. Supreme Court back in session. They start their term on October 1st, and boy, they've got some very contentious stuff. 
on their docket they're going to be hearing in the next few months. What are they? Well, there's a whole bunch, but we're just going to give you a few. We want you to know when and what's going to happen. The 1st of December, they're going to hear arguments in Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization. That law challenges a Mississippi law that bans most abortions when the probable gestational age of the unborn human is more than 15 weeks. Detractors claim a ruling in favor of that law, that Mississippi law, could undermine or even lead to the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Carrie Severino, the president of the Judicial Crisis Network, said there are going to be people losing their minds over this case, whichever direction it goes. Another big case coming up next month, November 3rd. The court's going to decide in New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin. What that one's about is whether the state of New York can order citizens who want a concealed carry license, they can order them to demonstrate a good reason for having one. In other words, you got to be threatened with your life. It's kind of like a restraining order. I never have understood this, especially in the case of domestic battery. A woman, as an example, she gets beat to pieces by a husband or uh, a live-in, a partner, whatever, over and over and over again. And uh, maybe the guy is threatening to kill her. That usually is part of it. They threaten to kill him. They beat him up. She goes to the police and all they'll tell them is, we're, we're going to help you get a restraining order. So they get a judge to sign a restraining order, which usually says uh, the, the man, he can only get with, within 500 feet or he can't come around or whatever else ever again. Well, what happens? If the guy wants to get to her and do more to her and sometimes even more than he had been doing, because now she's got him in trouble by getting a restraining order, he's in the bullseye of the court and the cops. If he wants to get to her to permanently do something to her really bad, like maim her or even worse, kill her, they won't do anything until after he maimed her or killed her. So this is kind of the same thing. Uh, The New York State, when somebody wants a concealed carry license, they want the court to say, you can't get that license unless you demonstrate us a good reason for having one. Take one of these women as a as a case. You got to go through the court process. The guy is threatened to kill you over and over again. He beat you to within an inch of your life, and you finally got the police involved, and they're going to get a restraining order. And so you want to get a gun to protect yourself. You got to go to court and demonstrate to a judge. Yeah, it's real easy to get a quick court date nowadays, right? There's another case, Carson v. Macon, scheduled to be heard before the court on December 8th. Justices are going to decide if the state of Maine can exclude religious schools from a state tuition program. This one's going to be watched very closely because of those state tuition programs are driven by tax dollars. And guess what? The parents of those kids that go to religious schools at every level from kindergarten on up through college, state schools. Parents pay taxes too. So why shouldn't these parents be able to take some of the a same percentage or dollar amount of their taxes in the state of Maine that go to each of these state public st- students' schooling? Why shouldn't they be able to take that to a religious school of their choice? The court's also going to decide on challenges to President Biden's vaccine mandate. 
as well as DACA. And another one, a case regarding the death penalty sentence of Boston Marathon bomber Zarnev. Justice Sam Alito, Thursday of last week, defended the court, this court, by pushing back against critics who characterized the court as having been captured by a dangerous cabal that resorts to sneaky and improper methods to get its way. He said this portrayal feeds unprecedented efforts to intimidate the court and to damage it as an independent institution. It's going to be interesting to see. Normally, it's tough to get inside of what's going on there, but uh, it's important, and we're going to keep our eyes on it here for you at uh, Truth News Network because we want you to know, same time we want to know, what's going on there. Something else that supposedly is in our rearview mirror, but it's really not, it's that horrible debacle that resulted from the crazy withdrawal from Afghanistan by the Biden administration. And so there are still hearings going on there. And last week, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin appeared before a House committee. And our good friend, somebody you hear here on TNN Live pretty regularly, Congressman Mike Johnson, he... uh, He got into it with Lloyd Austin, and Mike Johnson is a wordsmith. Nobody can counter that with any kind of uh, proof otherwise. He is good at asking and getting questions that he asked answered. Listen to this short back and forth between Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin and Louisiana Congressman from right here in my town, Mike Johnson. Uh, Congressman, that I support the president's decision. You also heard me say that that I don't view this choice as a no-cost, no-risk choice. I do believe that if we we left 2,500 people there for a a long and extended period of time, you'd eventually have to reinforce those people because the Taliban was uh, was committed to uh, to attacking us. Mr. Secretary, I understand all that. What we're trying to get to is what did the president know? Did he forget what was told to him, or is he not being truthful? Which I view is? that as an inappropriate question, and I, I won't. Well, you may, but the American people don't. Okay. And the American people want and deserve accountability. And we even have service members like Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller being thrown in the brig for suggesting that. The public's faith in our institutions continues to erode precisely because everyone in the D.C. bubble appears to have some sort of immunity from the basic standards the rest of America is expected to live by. This is quite clearly one of the biggest military and foreign policy blunder since our withdrawal from Vietnam. So my question for all of you is very simple. Where does the blame lie? Mr. Austin, Secretary Austin. Well, first of all, I, you know, I am responsible for everything that happens that, that DOD does, and it does a lot. I remain focused on defending this country, and uh, that's, that's going to be my focus for the foreseeable future. Uh, secondly, you know, I would remind you that uh, we just evacuated... 124,000 people. I, I appreciate, I appreciate that you think that that was a big success, evacuation. But the blame for the disastrous withdrawal that everyone agrees was a disaster. Who's to blame for that? I'll let the silence speak for itself. General Milley, you said earlier this month that it's possible that we would work with the Taliban to conduct strikes against ISIS-K in Afghanistan, presumably referencing our over-the-horizon capabilities. But today you testified, you said, quote, the Taliban remains a terrorist organization with ties to al-Qaeda. So are you now suggesting that the United States form some sort of strategic partnership with a terrorist organization? No, absolutely not. I'm not suggesting that at all. Could I go to your first question, though? Please. Please. 
like Frank McKenzie, like General McKenzie, it's not our purview to share specific discussions with the President in terms of national security decision-making. But it was our opinion at the time, um, and, and it's been very consistent. And I would also tell you that this administration did, and I was part of it, uh, along with the Joint Chiefs, a very rigorous process. Uh, and this President uh, was, was uh, one of the most informed decisions uh, that you can imagine um, in terms of all sides of the argument. We in the military, in the uniformed military, we look at the cost, the risk to force, the benefit, et cetera, in a narrow, focused view. This other decision makers have a much wider angle. I, I appreciate that. But, but what we're left with in the nine seconds I have left is that we're supposed to believe that the president was either not informed by you of these very important factors or he forgot it. Either one is alarming. Chairman's time is expired. And Congressman Mike Johnson there, and he brings up a good point. It's an either-or question. The answer is either he didn't know about it or those three guys that were testifying, Millie, uh, uh, the CENTCOM general that directs CENTCOM, or Secretary of State Lloyd Austin. One R, or two, or three, are responsible, or the president is responsible. It's real easy to narrow it down. Nobody wants to take the time or even take the effort to just bow up and give us the facts. If you did your job, that means the president didn't. And I got to be honest with you. I think it's Joe Biden. I do. I think it's Joe Biden. He said weeks before this ever began, this debacle began, he said to George Stephanopoulos that he never got told that we needed to keep a ground element of about 2,500 people at Bagram Air Force Base permanently. He said he never got told that. And all three of those General McKenzie, Mac, uh, then General Milley, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs, and Secretary of State Lloyd Austin, all three said they each told the president we needed to keep a residual force in Afghanistan of at least 2,500 service members. Wow. What's the truth? In a real world, out here where we work, folks, if that happens, somebody's head's going to roll. Somebody's going to be gone. Personally, I think McKenzie... Millie and Lloyd Austin ought to all three resign. And if they refuse to resign, they need to be fired. Joe Biden, however, the only one that can fire any of the three is feckless. He not, he's not going to do it. So who's going to pay the price? Our men and women in the military, number one. Number two, you and I. Who's going to benefit from it? Our military adversaries across the globe. So have you kept up lately with what's going on up in Chicago? What kind of summer do you think they've had up there? Well, it's not a good one, folks. CNN over the weekend reported that 1,606 Chicagoans were shot between June 2021 and August 2021 in Chicago. 1,606. 261 of those died. 60 days, folks. 261 people murdered in Chicago. CNN also noted 770 people were killed in Chicago throughout all of last year, and the city's on track to have more than that this year. John Lausch, who's a U.S. attorney for the Northern District of Illinois, noted that one of the reasons for these shootings 
is that offenders don't fear any consequences. In other words, Mary, excuse me, Mayor Lori Lightfoot, she doesn't want them prosecuted, so they're not being prosecuted. There's no price to pay. That emboldens the criminals, and they just keep doing what they do and getting worse and worse and worse. This federal attorney, John Lausch, said, people are emboldened, our violent offenders are. They're not afraid of getting caught. They're not afraid of the consequences of what happens when and if they are caught. CNN points out that black victims are predominant. As of mid-June, the homicide rate for black Chicagoans was nine times higher than that for any other demographic. That's happening in just one of our, just one of our major cities. And incidentally, another Illinois Democrat member of public service, U.S. Senator Tammy Duckworth in the U.S. Senate, She's from Illinois. According to one report, she hasn't paid any property taxes on her Illinois home since 2015. Listen to this. Her tax evasion is legal. Now you wonder, how can I get that? (laughs) How does she get it legally? Well, she, Duckworth, has apparently found a number of loopholes in tax exemptions that lowered her rate effectively to zero in property taxes. Here's how it works. One of the tax breaks the 53-year-old Duckworth employs concerns disabled vets. Unlike other states, Illinois rules are not income-based. Any disabled veteran qualifies for this tax break, this real estate tax break, no matter how wealthy they are. Critics of the many exemptions say that the rules are applied too liberally, you think? They add that too many people whose incomes don't justify tax breaks are still getting them. Due to the veteran exemption and others, since 2015, Duckworth and her husband have escaped having to pay $42,000 in Cook County property taxes. Their house value set at $225,000. And the senator alone earned nearly half a million dollars in each 2019 and 2020. She, of course, was severely injured. She's a disabled vet. She was in service to her country during a stint while piloting a helicopter for Illinois Army National Guard in Iraq in 2004. Because of her status, she's one of more than 2,000 Cook County residents who are excused from paying a total of $102.8 million in property taxes that other residents have to pick up. Wow. Man, this day has flown by. A busy Monday. We're going to have a busy Tuesday. I'm looking ahead. It's going to be it's going to be rock and roll tomorrow. Don't you dare miss it. Thank you for being here. Thank you for joining us every day at TNN Live. Until tomorrow, folks. Have a great Monday. We'll see you then. What goes up must come down Spinning wheel, got to go round Talking about your troubles, it's a crying sin Ride a painted pony, let the spinning wheel spin You got no money, you got no
Let the spinning wheel fly.